Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode 98, Three More Turkey Hunting Myths Busted. And I am your host and the guy who lost the 6th grade county spelling bee because he could not spell a four-letter word. The word is ekru. Ekru is the word. Can you use it in a sentence? Yes, that blouse that you're wearing is a lovely shade of ekru. So, I defeated the whole elementary school in spelling, got to the county spelling bee, and misspelled a four-letter word. I'd never heard it before, never seen it before. What do you do? Today, I'm still a pretty good speller, but I'm even better at math. And I can tell you that we are 188 days, 11 hours, 47 minutes, and 49 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. Just over six months away. Hey, I hope you guys had a great and relaxing Labor Day weekend and that you enjoyed a healthy heaping of some awesome college football games over the weekend. I had a nice weekend without as much relaxation as I'd hoped to get. But I did take in some football and some time on the lake with a fishing rod in my hand. And by the way, it was one of my slowest days on the lake. But it was a day on the lake nonetheless, and I'll take it. You know, so last year I did an episode where I busted three myths of turkey hunting. And today I'm going to tackle three more myths. I feel like this is an important topic because I can't tell you how many times that I've had people who have hunted turkeys a few times tell me that they quit trying and quit hunting turkeys because it's just too hard. A lot of times we more experienced turkey hunters will lie through our teeth just to steer a newbie turkey hunter away from our birds. But what happens is a lot of times we not only steer them away from our birds, but we steer them away from the sport of turkey hunting as well. And that's not really a good thing. So some of those myths that new turkey hunters hear are many and varied. Some are quite humorous and some are partially true. But turkey hunting is not mathematics where there is only one right answer. It is much more akin to economics where there are some tried and true methods and strategies. But even those methods and strategies don't work every single time. So today we're going to take on some of those economic policies. Um, I mean, turkey hunting myths, and we're going to poke a few holes in them. 
So let's get into it. Number one, you can't call a turkey downhill. Well, the truth is it's easier to call a turkey uphill than it is downhill. And I'm not going to do anything to try to make my turkey hunts more difficult on me if I can help it. So I'm going to try to get at the same level, if not above, that turkey that I'm hunting. But sometimes we just don't have a choice. Sometimes the turkey gets to the top of the hill before we do. I think calling a bird downhill is difficult for a couple of reasons. Number one, putting an animal with a pair of the best eyes in the woods on top of a hill where he has an improved field of view puts us hunters at an immediate disadvantage. Not only can a turkey see that there's no hen moving around where that calling is coming from, but he can see us if we blink an eye so much better with that height advantage. Number two, most of the time, the top of that hill is where that gobbler wants to be. It's hard to call a gobbler away from where he wants to be. Remember, you, the hen, are supposed to go to him, the gobbler. And he knows how good looking he is strutting around at the top of that hill. He's seen the game camera photos that you have of him and that you posted on social media. But truthfully, I think because of that advantage of being up high, and increased visibility, and in addition to that, they know that they can hear almost everything below them, and they know that almost everything below them can hear them when they're gobbling as well. Those factors, I believe, make hilltops areas that gobblers like to go to. So, what is the trick to calling a gobbler downhill? Well, there's no real trick. You're going to call the same way that you would if you were above the turkey. But the difference is going to be in your setup. You will not want to set up in an area where that gobbler can see that there is no hen at the bottom of the hill. If there's any kind of brush or anything that you can put between you and that gobbler, then you'll be at an advantage. If the gobbler can see the spot where you last heard the hen and there is no hen there, then he's pretty much going to stay put at the top of that hill. And you are stuck in that spot until he eases off away from the edge of the hilltop where he can see so well and you can get up and reposition. Now, if you can't get that gobbler to come down the hill to you, then do not give up on that bird. Wait for him to make a move, assuming he's still gobbling, and come up with another plan of action, like getting in front of him, going to where he wants to go next if you know where he's going to go. Or getting to the top of the hill that he just left, setting up and calling from there to try to call him back to you. They will come back to an area where they've been strutting and gobbling for a while because they know that if they slip off from that area, a lot of times the hens will come into that area even after they leave. They've been there once, they likely will come back again. So that's a good way to slip up and get a turkey at the top of the hill if he beats you there. Okay, number two, you spooked the gobbler or you shot and missed and you're done for the day. Well, a spooked turkey is still killable. That bird may get quiet and sit still or run or fly 400 yards away, but he's not going to leave the country hiding inside of an empty box inside a cargo train in the middle of the night. If he plays nice and he starts to gobble again shortly after you spook him, then I highly recommend you change locations and your approach to him before you try to call him to you. Now, he will start gobbling again at some point in time. It may not be until the next day, but he will gobble again. 
Now he'll be wary of the location where he was spooked for a little while, and he will likely come in quicker to your calling if you relocate to a different location. In addition to that, you also may want to change your calls that you were using if you were calling to him when you spooked him. Now that's not a hard and fast rule, but it's a good suggestion when the time arises. Now, if he does not start gobbling right away, I still recommend slowly, deliberately, methodically moving in the direction that he ran, getting a few hundred yards away from the area where he was spooked, sitting down, calling quietly, calling lightly, calling sporadically, and see if you can get some sort of a response out of him at that point in time. That turkey may just slip on in there and slip in quietly. So you need to keep your eyes and your ears open. Okay, so there were two times this past season when I encountered birds that I knew had been spooked. The first time is when my buddy Todd and I were hunting in West Alabama. We called two gobblers in. I shot and killed one bird. Todd shot and missed the second bird. So the second bird took off running and he ran about 400 yards across a cow pasture and into this little neck of woods. And he got inside that neck of woods and he started gobbling. And 45 minutes after Todd missed that turkey the first time, we were carrying that turkey and the one that I killed out of the woods together. That doesn't happen all the time. But when a bird is lonely and he doesn't know what in the world it was that spooked him, and most of the time they don't, there's a good chance that that bird will respond to calls again at some point during the day. The second time that I saw a bird get spooked this past season, and I thought it was really interesting what happened. We were in Maryland hunting on our annual out-of-state trip, and my buddy Chip and I were hunting together, and we had a bird gobbling his brains out about an hour after daylight. The bird was on the ground, and he was on a woods road about 100 yards in front of us. Chip and I didn't feel like we could get any closer to the bird because the woods road was pretty well straight and flat out in front of us. A hundred yards is about as close as we felt we could get to that bird. So we sat down on the edge of the road and started calling. And the bird shut up. And I've hunted enough to know that if you call and a bird shuts up, there's a decent chance that bird is walking towards you. So we'd been sitting there for about 10 or 15 minutes and I'm standing up behind the tree that Chip is sitting down against. And I look in front of us, and at about 30 yards, I see something black coming towards us. And I said, there the turkey is. Well, that black thing got behind some bushes and pops out in the road about 20 yards from us. And it was a black and white house cat. The cat turned and started walking diagonally away from us but was still walking away from the turkey that was gobbling earlier. Well what happened and we didn't know at that very second is that that cat walked up the edge of that road that the gobbler was on and spooked the gobbler. So I'm standing up behind the tree and after the cat walks off it's been a little while since the turkey's gobbled and Chip gets up and he and I start to walk out into the road a little bit. We step out in the road and we look down the road and the gobbler that was gobbling is standing in the road motionless and he proceeded to stand there motionless for almost an hour and I'm convinced that he saw that cat and rather than run off he was where he wanted to be. He did not perceive the cat to be a huge threat 
to his safety, but it was enough for him to shut up, to not draw attention to himself, and he stood there like a stump for over an hour from the time that he shut up until we ran him off. So just because a bird is spooked, that does not mean that the hunt is over. If you spook that bird and you don't have any other options for hunting a different gobbler, then stick with that bird. He's lonely and he wants company. Okay, myth number three. You have to sound like Mitchell Johnston or Chris Parrish to kill turkeys. Well, the truth is, you don't have to be a great caller to kill turkeys. I consider myself to be an average caller. I have killed plenty of turkeys by making only the clucks of a hen using a diaphragm call while trying to catch my breath after hustling to beat a turkey to get to where he wanted to go. And the key in that statement is that I got where that gobbler wanted to go, where he wanted to be. And that should tell you that knowing wild turkeys and knowing your woods is much more important to your success than calling. So if you don't make a cluck and a purr like Chris Parrish, and you don't sound like Mitchell Johnston when you give a plain yelp, then don't sweat it. Now keep practicing your calling and get better, but don't sweat the fact that you do not sound as good as those guys. You don't have to sound as good as they do to kill turkeys. Okay, so there you have three more turkey hunting myths busted. And the moral of today's story is that we're hunting a bird whose first name is wild. The very nature of being wild is being unpredictable. And just when we think we have one figured out, he lives up to his name and he does something completely new and unusual and leaves us standing there throwing our hands up in the air while we cuss and then we stomp our way back to the truck or to camp while at the same time we're mentally counting down the minutes and seconds until we can get back out there in the woods and get after him again. God knows I miss turkey season. All right, that's all that I have for you guys today. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please forward it to a hunting buddy using iTunes forward feature. So if you're listening to the podcast using iTunes, there is a feature where you can actually forward a link to the Turkey Hunter podcast to one of your hunting buddies. So if you guys would do that, I would much appreciate it. That's my one favor that I have to ask of you today. Hey, thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices and I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.